boys wouldn't be planning anything illegal. Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Sequel. This is the movie podcast where we're talking sequels and we do it in two parts. The first, an interview with an actor, someone involved that made the film worth watching. And the second, a discussion of the sequel, what they got right, what they got wrong, and how it could have been better. I really hope you enjoyed last week's interview with Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, Robert Schaefer. God, talk about a guy with such passion for everything he's done but especially for his role in this week's sequel psycho cop 2 psycho cop returns there's different names for this movie and man before we even get into the movie before i introduce my co-host what did i say about robert man the guy owns it so well he loves this role the fact that he rapped during our interview is unbelievable before I say any more about Psycho Cop and Joe Vickers, I have to introduce you to my partner in the sequel watching journey, Jamie Riccardi. Jamie, how you doing? I'm doing awesome, Doug. How are you doing? Dude, I'm doing really awesome because I feel like we've gotten really lucky with some of the horror movies that we covered. I'm not saying lucky is like, hey, it's in the you know upper echelon of horror, like you know, Jaws, Nightmare, the Friday the 13th, but they're like so campy, but they're good can't be like i put this movie right off the bat in the realm of like sorority house massacre too because it's fun it moved i didn't feel like i was like uh this is 10 minutes it actually moved pretty quick it does well you know again i think you nailed it it's it is campy and you know the one thing you know you said that you know where we got lucky with some of these horror movies What's pretty awesome is that we're getting like you know we're, we're talking to like the main people in the movie that involved in the movie which is even you know more awesome i mean like yeah you know like he, he, he <laughs> this okay i've never seen the first one you know i don't know how related this movie is to the first one this movie's wild i mean and, and again it's it's you go into i went into it i wasn't sure what i was getting into um but within five minutes i started hating the movie until i met him then the movie changed because Right off the bat, I'm going to say this right now, and you may disagree, but I think I found a character that might be more annoying than Alan. Uh, Larry? Ryan. Brian. <laughs> he, I, I hated him so much in this movie. His acting was so over the top. I wish he would die multiple times in the movie, not in real life, and he just wouldn't die. <laughs> so, I mean... Yeah. I'm putting it up there. I think he's more annoying than Alan. Your ass wow. That's one thing. Like all the horror movies. I love watching horror. Like I know you love the, like the franchises, like the nightmares, all those movies. You like the people, you know, you like the, for the most part, there's always a the douchebag, the jock, all these people that you're like, man, kill that guy. But in this movie, I wanted them all dead <laughs> except Sharon. And- hundred percent. There was no one that was likable except for the uh, the accountant. The yeah, the, the she was the only one. Outside of that, you're hundred percent right. Like you're rooting for the villain <laughs> to kill everybody. And it's, I'm telling you, I was waiting for Al, uh, Ryan to die the minute I found I saw him. I was hoping he would die quick, and it just didn't happen. It's funny. The, this movie is sort of like when you're rooting for the bad guy. Obviously, like the Death Wish movie is like the guys are bad guys. So Charles Bronson's doing the right thing. But in this movie, it's so funny while you're watching it, you're just like, can you just come out and like grab these people already? Like in some of these scenes. Well, I, let me ask you. Yeah. So did you see the first one? I watched it before I interviewed Bro- okay. uh, Robert. Yeah. 
So why like do they explain his backstory of why he's so angry? Well, it's about Satan. So the, the, throughout this movie, there's all the pentagrams. Right. And like he told me about the third one he wants to do. He wants to have technology involved. He could like he has an iPhone and he has a direct line to Satan in the in the script that he wrote, which is so funny. But the first one has that. The first one's a little different. He's kind of like terrorizing these people that I don't know if they're going to like a lake house or somebody's summer home. But that's how that one takes place. The fact that he just happens to be overhearing them talk about grass and that just like perks his ears when they're at the donut shop. Yeah, and and you know they show they show a, like a, a view of the inside of his car, which is filled with body parts. No one sees that when they're walking by or anything. I mean, like the or the stench that would be coming out of the car because, like, literally everything from an eyeball to like you know a, a, an arm that's just dangling, you know, veins and everything else is all in this car. And the fact that he grabs it when he gets in, it's almost like. Did he put it on the seat to keep it warm for him? Because he gets in the car and moves it. Because then that's when we see him look and you see the pentagram in the rear view mirror. Right. Well, what if it's like a super hot day? Can you imagine how bad that would smell in there? It was a super hot day, right? Well, I I, I don't know. They Did they talk about the temperature in the, in the movie? Well, you could just tell it looked warm out. People, you know, it didn't look like it was cold out. Look what the girls were wearing. Well, it didn't look like it was cold out. But I mean, you don't know if it was super hot. It could have been a spring day. You know, you know what else I really I, I thought did a great job was the guy that whoever, you know, did the music for each scene. I absolutely loved like the music was so corny and campy, but it fit everything that was especially the, the boss, the music they played for the boss when he's yes. walking around. It was like very whimsical, like childlike. Yes. And it reminded yes. me perfect. You said that I write, wrote it somewhere. But Chuck Serena, who does all the Jim Wynorski munchie and had yep. that vibe because it like. I know all movies have a, a soundtrack so big and it's so wild that you say the same thing because it fit so perfect. It did. Well, you know, it, I think it's that's the point where I started saying, OK, I could see what kind of movie. I mean, like, you know, when you first see the movie, you know, when it first starts and you see these two guys talking and you see Ryan right off the bat, you know, which is a super annoying I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm probably going to hate this movie. You know, I can see the acting's horrible. You know, it was made in, what, 1993, but it looks like it was made in 1981. Like, it's just like cheesy filming. And I'm like, all right, what did I get myself into? But the minute you start hearing the music, I'm like, all right, it's supposed to be this stupid. It's supposed to be this campy. And that, I think the music changed my mind in the whole movie. <laughs> I love that the psycho cop, uh, Joe Vickers, he doesn't even hide. He follows them, and then they're getting paranoid. Brian gets so nervous, he throws the weed in the po- in, in the mailbox. <laughs> it's crazy, and they call him Officer Inbred. I'm like, what? Why would you? What's happening? Why? Would yeah, you I know. I I question that too. Like, I don't. Where do they get Inbred from? Just like he he looks like a normal cop. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was just weird. And he called the weed grass. I don't think they really called it grass in the, you know the 90s. So like, I think Brian's a dweeb. So that's the first time he ever bought it. So I could see him trying to like sound cool. He read a book about Woodstock and he's like, oh, I think the cool kids call it grass. So there's no way him and Larry are really friends. Larry probably oh. puts him on all the time. Listen, I think, I think it's the first time he's seen a girl up close. So, I mean, I, I, I think you're, you're right. I think he's just such a dork that he's just, you know, yeah. Yeah, even when that girl's grinding at him, well, that's way forward in the movie. Yeah. He's like, hey, where's Mike? 
Who cares about Mike? You have yeah. Julie Strain, B movie yeah. legend, on on top of you. Come on, man, get on it. Jeez. So, so here, first huge question mark of the movie. So, the Night Watchman. So that was like the big wrinkle. They're like, how are we going to have the bachelor party? How are we going to sneak the girls up? The Night Watchman is going to tell on us. And Larry says, I have photos of him fucking a goat. And then the and then Brian goes, I've never made it with a goat. And then he and then Larry makes him feel bad that he's never made it with a goat. See, I, I thought that was a joke. I didn't think it was real. Like I I thought he was just messing around, just the way he's like they were going with it, because he only paid him off. Like, no, you know, it's no. like so like what but do you think that like he really does have pictures of him with a goat? I, I, I thought it at first because I didn't get there was no humor in it. For me, because the way Larry delivered it and the way he answered it, I know you shouldn't have to say a joke, like be like, I'm just messing with you, man, or something. But it just seemed like, what the fuck's happening right now? Well, you, you know, I think I, I think what part of the problem is like, again, those characters are all unlikable. I don't think they're good actors, obviously. And I don't think they're funny. Like their scenes were not funny. The cop was the best part. He, you know, like, so like his delivery, his lines. So I think that's the problem. So when you have like these clowny, nerdy guys throw a joke out there, it just doesn't land as well. And I think that's what it was. Cause I, I honestly thought like, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even get that part. I'm like, I don't know. Cause it made no sense. And I wrote the line. So now Larry doesn't even make him feel bad. He goes, you can never find a goat. Like, <laughs> that's not a punchline. That's just saying, Hey, this guy can never find a goat. I don't know. If he was like, oh, no, go whatever, make it with you. Maybe that's funny. I think it's, it's you know, like the old 80s thing. Like, I, I, it's, again, I think like it, it might take place in the 80s, even though it was filmed in 93. Um, but like, you know, they would say, you know, a goat would always be at a, a bachelor party. As a, a, like they always joke around or something. So like maybe that's something, you know, it just <laughs> it was popular back then. Maybe maybe people slept with goats in the 80s. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so there's an Oscar winner in this movie. Oscar actor winner, Oscar writer winner, and he has a lot of ties to us, like people we've interviewed. So Nick uh, Vallelonga, who plays Mike, Mike's like the heavier set guy that's with Julie Strain. He's one of the buddies at the bachelor party. He's the, guy is he the one the that is he the one that goes downstairs to talk to the yes yes okay so, okay okay so yeah so he wrote Stiletto, who has like DB Sweeney RA. Uh, Robert Schaefer's in that movie. So he's all buddies and he wrote Greenbrook. His dad was the guy that was played by Vigo Mortensen. Like, oh, really? Story? Yeah, that movie. Oh, wow. Is it really about his dad? But yeah, but this is where so, he started. So he goes from this movie to win an Oscar. That's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Like if you think about, you know, the movies that we've, we've covered and like, again, we saw um, what Karate Kid, no, the next Karate Kid. You have Hilary Swank starting low on a, on a totem pole to winning an Oscar also. So, uh, you know, it's, it's cool to see them in, when they kind of just start, you know, before they Hell become yeah. big. Tex Chainsaw Massacre 3, yeah. Vigo Mortensen, you know, all these people. So then we get, like, the music. It's perfect. It's corny in the one part. So we show them going to the office building, and we get just, like, this really happy, upbeat music. And they're just, like, paper filing, highlighting office work. <laughs> And there's legit like seven people that work in the whole office. 
I don't even know if there is seven. Like, really, like it's there's what you have the four guys. Yeah, the four guys. The uh, five is sharing the accountant. Six and seven are the married couple that are cheating on their spouses in the okay. copy room. You have Mister, what's the heck's that guy's name? Mister Stone Cipher. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Mister Stone Cipher. Uh, and then he had a secretary. That's it. Right. So okay. Like You're right. Eight or nine, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you know, I was wondering that because like they acted like this is gonna be like a huge bachelor party. The amount, the amount of alcohol they had, it was two drawers filled for four guys, and one's a nerdy Ryan who probably doesn't drink at all anyway. So what, like, like that's a lot of alcohol. <laughs> and and it seemed like it seemed like they got drunk very fast because literally the the fat guy that went downstairs, Mike, yeah, yeah, he was drunk within seconds. He was already drunk. When he went downstairs, he was drunk. And there's four guys. I guarantee there was like 10, 20 guys. You get three girls, three girls, four guys. So one guy's just twiddling thumbs. Well, I think they assumed Brian, Brian was not going to, you know, he was going to back Brian. out at some point. I, I, I could, Brian? Yeah, I could leave this as a running thing, but no, it's Brian with a B. Okay. So Brian, although I think Ryan fits better for him. You know, Ryan's a more <laughs> oh, nerdy name. Really? Ryan is an inferior name to Brian? You think you think you think Brian is a cooler name than Ryan, or you think Ryan. Ryan's? A cool name? Well, I, I don't want to lose any of them. It's listeners. I say they're the best <laughs> names. I'll name my firstborn child, uh, secondborn, I guess. Well, I'm, I'm just saying Brian because Ryan's name is in Brian. Oh, that's why. Oh, that's why it's inferior because of the B. It's like, hey, come here, Ryan. I'm going to take you over. <laughs> So here's some funny facts about this movie. This movie was shot in a week and they were able to use the office building. They used one floor in like the lobby and the garage, but they shot it only overnight. So like, I think the one night they were able to use those uh, like that night, uh, like the day going into night, like when he follows him back in the beginning of the movie, but still to do something like that in seven days. Yeah, no, that's obviously very quick, but you know, it's funny you say that because near the end when we get there when he's chasing her or i think it was her down the hallway it looked like they were running through the same hallway over yeah. and over again mm-hmm. and i'm like I, I bet you they're only filming in like a, a one little office you know area and yeah <laughs> they literally it was like a rerun of a shot over and over again yeah even though like one floor could be like huge you could only use it so many times but yeah there's so many times you could tell like little things are switched yeah. And I have a couple of them written down. So so we meet Gary the Bachelor, who's a big dweeb. His blonde wife that he turns over, what's her name? Helga or Ida or Ingrid. Ingrid. Way out of his league. They, I I yeah. There's no way that she, that she he's she's marrying him. There's no way. There's yeah. no way. Unless unless he's rich and he's something like a mule. <laughs> <laughs> I was even thinking. If I would have paused that thing, I wonder if that was like the stock photo that came with the picture frame when they bought it. They're like, oh, just keep that. <laughs> Why hire an actress? We'll just use that. Yeah, no, it's, but you know what? I mean, all, all the girls, although, um, and, and again, we may disagree on this. The worst boob jobs I've ever seen. Oh, they all were like, I mean, like you could tell, like they, they probably got them done in the eighties when like, you know, they were new with the boob jobs and like they, they were, they were horrible. I, well, I, I can know. tell you they were all like pretty bad, but the one 
was the girl that I thought like just looks wise the the married couple her and that yep. Tony guy they were pretty their little thing was pretty funny because they were basically like for the whole day that we see them after lunch they're in the copy room the whole time like nobody knows that that they're trying to make it in there they're in, they have a car I'm sure why don't they just go in there I said the same well I mean they kind of explain it later on because they're both married like you didn't know they were both married at a time so like yeah. I was saying the same thing I go why can't they just go somewhere you know yeah. but they explain it the one thing I thought was going to happen and they it didn't touch it but she was sitting on top of the copy machine yes. he takes her underwear off I thought there's gonna be a running gag of the copy going on while she's sitting up there and that never came into play no, it did not. <laughs> and I, I honestly, like, it, it was a perfect setup. I mean, literally, it really was. <laughs> yeah, her, when I saw them the first year, I'm like, man, she's, and then later yeah. in the movie, it looked just so weird. Yes. Yeah, it's just, all, but the, all of them, I don't think they, I, I, I think, I mean, it, I, the, the accountant, I think was the best one. Like, I mean, to me, like, looks wise, too, I think, you know, but then again, she, she probably get fake boobs. No, no, she, no I re- she was great. So now we get so oh my god. So then this is when Brian, when they're waiting for uh Mr. Stone Cipher to leave, he finally leaves. And it, like you said, the music that plays and morning, like, Mr. Stone Cipher. Yeah. I think there even is like the the one thing that's like a doorstop, that one instrument that sounds like a doorstop that plays. It's like Lauren, like Laurel and Hardy kind of like yeah. music. <laughs> And when he finally leaves, they're like looking out the window and Brian's like, that's that cop, man. That's that cop. And he's like, but he's not wrong the whole movie. But to really think that Brian's got to He's got to be a little paranoid. He's right. But that's very paranoid. He he literally. Yeah, he was right the whole movie. But I mean, what like like you really want to hang out with that guy? I mean, he really like the entire time you're trying to have a good time. And every five seconds, he's just worried about something else. Like, why do they even invite him? Like, I have a feeling like they, they were so different than him. Like, I, I, they didn't need to invite him. I don't think they like him. Maybe it's like a joke and they couldn't have the party there without having the guy in the cubicle next without telling him. So maybe. What about Gary? Are those all his only friends? He had yeah. like buddies from outside of the office, like come to his. Yeah, his, his only friends are the ones he party? works with. <laughs> well, you know what? I bet you were Brian. He is a, it's Brian, right? Brian or the B. Okay, Brian. The superior name. He's the he's the he's the guy that if they did not invite him, he would tell on them. Oh, he'd be right so, in Stone Cipher's office. Yeah. Yes. So he's probably that's why they invited him. They're smart then. They are smart. So then we get Larry goes downstairs. He grabs the three girls, which they don't even. Sh- why? Why wouldn't they wear like a trench coat? They showed yeah, they, up they're not, in the outfits. They they were not trying to hide what they were. <laughs> At all. That's yeah. And Larry pays off Gus. And then how about how weird was it when they get in the elevator? I understand those girls in their line of work. Maybe they're they had a few drinks before they got there, maybe indulged in some drugs. But the fact they go in the elevator and I, I'm almost thinking they don't go to the tenth floor because the accountant was on seven. And they were going up to that. So their office might be on four or five. But when the girl's like, hey, let me hit all of them. And then they start grinding on each other. I'm like, what's that? Yeah, they they didn't waste any time at all. And I, I mean, I, I, I'm I not too familiar with, you know, strippers and whatever, but and hookers. And I'm assuming they wouldn't start like that. I mean, like everything costs money. So like he kind of got he kind of got a freebie in that elevator. 
<laughs> or it was part of the a la carte, the package. I want the elevator dance party <laughs> before we even get up there. <laughs> yeah, like what the freak is happening right now? Yeah, I know. God. And then, dude, this is why Robert's so good in this role because he could be so sinister in his line delivery and he could be so believable. Like, dude, when he goes and he knocks on the door to Gus, the night watchman, and he's like, I heard of it. I got called here for a disturbance. And he's like, I don't think about any disturbance. And there's some guys having a party upstairs. And he's like, oh. And then he closes the door and he grabs it. He stops it. And when he's like, is that the game? And just the way his voice changed, like his tone out, it's amazing. His his eyes, you know, his eyes are very expressive, you know, in that role. Like, and it's like, I mean, he just, he's, he's such a, he's such a nut, but at the same time, he he i think he does take his job serious because he he's only going after people that are breaking the law that is true he's doing it to a a tough extent yeah and like like in the interview he went to like strasburg like those big time acting nick cage meg ryan like all those people all in that class so yeah like you said like his eyes but his face everything his body language he just owns it and he's like oh is that the game i can't get seem to get it in the car you want to come in and listen well you know what think about it i mean his expressions are very similar to nicholas cage when nicholas cage plays crazy he has the same kind of face and eye expression so it makes sense i would i you said when he plays crazy you mean in every movie <laughs> well um yeah. <laughs> yeah, he plays crazy. Well, I, I think more now. I think, you know, I think one I, I think face off kind of did it for him. I think that was the start of his crazy. Because before that he was an Oscar winner for playing <laughs> drunk. And and you know, so I mean I think face off is the start of him being crazy. Yeah, eight millimeter for him is the crazy like that he's insane in that movie. Absolutely <laughs> insane. So then we get the perfect 10 minute strip scene. You mean like the, the rock music video from the eighties? It was crazy, <laughs> right? I, I didn't know. I didn't know we were going to get each girl to get her own individual like dance number. Yeah. It, I, I think it was filler. I mean, it definitely was lo- way long, but look, it was like a rock video. It was just like yeah. one after another, you know, and then them dancing and, and with, with, with the guys individually. And the, it was just like, it was it was kind of like misplaced. It was just weird. It was just like you know because it just it went on for a long time. Well, this was the N-rated version, so maybe you know they packed that in there. Maybe in the original, only a minute. They're like, let me give it all. Let me give the fans everything that they well, want. If that's the case, then the movie's like only like sixty minutes. You know, <laughs> if they if they because that that scene was about ten minutes long. It was. <laughs> <laughs> so then from there, and the you know that porno that he puts on, it says like something in the sponge head. They, that that's yeah, Brian. Okay. Brian plays the main guy in that porno. They With the mustache? It. Yeah, that's Brian. What? They filmed that like a week before. And did you watch after? Because I didn't think I, I, I didn't think there would be after the credits, but I just bounced through. They played like the whole movie, like in the credits. You know what? I, I might have stopped it. I don't think I saw that. I, I just had a Yeah, I was wondering, first of all, who who put that on? Like who, that that was the guys that were throwing it back. Larry brought that in. Yeah, that was like the old stag party thing in all those old movies. It's like no, I understand. Hey guys, I let's understand. get together and watch porn. But but was that porn? Like I mean, like that was like it was like a weird. 
it was like a weird video though. Like it, and they kept going back and forth to it, the camera. Like, you know, I just, it, it almost see, I, 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 I was confused with what they were watching or, and where it came from. Too. Yeah. And the fact that it was, on, and it was on a projector. <laughs> Why was it on a projector? 1993. Who had, who, who had, who had projector porn? Really? I mean, the projector porn? I've never heard of that. That was Larry's dad. Maybe Larry's dad was like a big, big bachelor party guy. And he was like, dude, you got son. If you're going bachelor party, honey, go get him the projector. <laughs> I, I honestly, I thought it was going to turn into like a snuff film. <laughs> That's what it looked like. Thank God it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut back to Psycho Cop and he's saying, before I talk about the lines that he says in this next scene oh. when he's with Gus one on one, did you notice how bad the announcer was for the baseball game? He was like, obviously, it wasn't a real baseball game. It was somebody just We're tied three to three still. Bottom of the tenth. Uh, he missed the top of the tenth. Jay Barr was just a great form. It was like he had no interest in being there. And did you, dude? The fact that he says, "Gus, I saw you letting those girls." It's all fun and games until someone loses an eye. <laughs> and just because this is the unrated version, you saw in the, the effect that he, when he stabs him in the eye, he like wiggles the pencil yeah. into the, ah, oh. you know, uh, he, he made the kills very comical, you know? Uh, I mean, they grow, they're gross. Some of them like the, eye, you know, but like, it was just the way he's doing it. Like he, and he totally gets off on it. Like he has the same smile on every kill. Like, uh, yeah. So, okay. okay. So then that, that, that goes to the question, is he possessed? Is that what it is? Or he's not? Yeah. Well, yeah. He like, he speaks to Satan. So I guess he's following what he's saying. Maybe he's like David Berkowitz, but I don't know. Well, Berkowitz talked to a dog. Well, maybe he's talking to a dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> maybe he's talking to the hand that's in the car. Maybe it's like thing. From the Adams family or something. Didn't they, didn't they make a movie about a hand, like a killer hand? Idle Wasn't hands. There? Oh yeah, see. <laughs> yeah. All right. But so the the best part of his lines that I thought about it, like obviously Freddie had lines, Jason doesn't have lines, Michael Myers doesn't have lines. So it, to me, it's so unique because it's like you know the like the action movies that we love. It is the Absolutely. Arnold lines, and I love yeah. the part of it, and they're so funny, just like. He's dead tired, let off some steam. All of these in this movie are in that same, you know, like realm. It's crazy. no, it is a hundred percent. And, and, it, you know, and because he's so intense that when he spits these lines out, they're even funnier, you know, because you know, again, you like, I think, you know, if you didn't know anything about the movie and I knew there were one liners just because you told me there were one liners in the movie. But if I didn't know, you know, like the first time he spits one out, I, I, I would have died. Like just because like it's it's so unexpected, you know. Oh yeah. And I, I try to write. I, I I wrote down a bunch of them as we went along, but he had so many, it was so hard to like, keep up. I know. But, he had some that were really great in the one scene when he's chasing Sharon, which we'll get to later. He, there's so many I couldn't write them down. But even the fact when he goes upstairs, where he's going to like start to like you know do some damage on the the bachelor party, and he goes, "I'll be right back. Keep an eye out while I'm gone." <laughs> Well, you know, he. I wonder again he, 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 if he is possessed, but like he he talks to every dead person <laughs> yeah. as if they're alive. 
So I wonder if he, you know, he, I mean, like, that's kind of creepy in itself. He might be sort of dead. I forgot what happened at the end of the first one, but he must be some kind of, because he, he survives a lot of damage in this. Well, I mean, he survived something that the other guy died the same way. <laughs> that's true. So, you know, I mean, so, yeah. I don't know how he survived this one. No, I don't know. But so the fact that they're, the elevator keeps going up, like, which again, is the elevator that close to the room that they're watching this smut film? Like, wouldn't that be a dumb idea? Like, what? I'm not saying Stone Cipher would come back, but would you have it like a little farther away? But the elevator door keeps opening and closing. Like, dude, who the hell is that? Well, I mean, think about it. You know, when you when you get off an elevator, like an office floor, usually that's like a waiting room or something. Like, could be like so. That's probably the yeah. biggest area. That's why. Well, what do you have it in the cubicle? No, but it looked like they were in like a conference room. An elevator wouldn't open to a. It was like that close that because that they were looking at it. They weren't even like going out of the room. They like saw it because they're like, who's messing with us, man? And then Mike says, oh, maybe it's good. They're like, oh, maybe it's Gus. And he's like, oh, let me go check on him. And dude, when he goes downstairs, because the last time we saw yep. Psycho Cop, he was going upstairs. But when he gets to the desk. And he turns around. <laughs> yeah, no, that was awesome. That was, yeah. And, and. I wrote this down. Oh no! So we're we're with Brian. He's still like, and he's still worried this whole time, right? Yeah. Is it? It's, okay. Does does he does he hook up with the girl at all up there or no? Like it seems like she was she she was trying, and like he wanted to know. Like he almost looked scared. He was maybe he's a virgin, but he was like more caring about Mike. Maybe Mike. Maybe Mike will beat his ass or something if he takes. Julie Strain. I don't know, but yeah, she's like all over him, like grinding on him. He's like, where's Mike? He's been a while. It's like, no, dude, this is your chance. Yeah. We're, yeah. At, a, we're at a college party and like some guy that some girls in two leaves, you, you'd move in. Yeah. You don't like wait for, Hey, let me wait for Mike to come back. It's like, no, you go now, but oh, you, uh, you, you, you're lost, man. You know, lose it. It's like, you know, and, and you know, it's funny. Got their friends keep coming up missing and they don't seem concerned. Like, you know, what's taking so long or like they totally like are uh, oblivious to, you know, their friends being gone for a long time. They're just like, maybe they think that they're like, dude, more girls for us, you know, because there's at one point it's a three. It's like, a oh, no, no, there's it's never a three to two ratio. But, but well, uh, you know, the guy getting married, I feel like he was hooking up the most. And he's got that hot wife at home. Like you, you would risk that like this guy, like, again, he maybe he's packing because I mean I, I like for him the risk that risk at all is is pretty ballsy, very ballsy. And right away he like knows him and the girl are like almost like they knew each other. The way he like hey well, me and her are gonna go upstairs now. It's like whoa. Maybe he is ballsy. Oh, packing is that a big balls reference? I, I guess. I mean I don't know. <laughs> packing balls. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that just Mike goes down there. He, they talk, he talks to uh psycho cop for a few minutes. And then he's like, Hey, can we get you something to drink? I feel bad. You're down here by yourself. And he's like, Oh, scotch would be nice. And he's like, all right, you wait here. And he's like, don't worry. I've always been great at killing time. <laughs> he has a great, like this is the way he does that with his voice. You know, he, he reminds me not, I mean, not the way he sounds, but he reminds me of putty a little bit, like the way he looks. Yeah. Right, doesn't he? I wonder if he ever auditioned for it. He has that look, yeah. I can see Putty doing the role. 
He's, he's got that dry humor, you yeah. know? <laughs> That's great. So then we get Mike. He grabs the scotch and he goes, oh, I'm going to bring down Gus a drink. Those guys are like, whatever, I don't care. So then when he brings in there, the elevator's like shaking. The buttons are going crazy. So see. All right. Okay. Okay. I mean, at this point, you don't really know Satan. So I'm, th- I'm thinking, like, how does this cop know how to malfunction an elevator? Well, you would sort of know if you know what a pentagram is when it was in the car. <laughs> okay. There were too many body parts and eyeballs hanging around. I really didn't. I don't think like I this? noticed the pentagram. <laughs> no, I just, I, I don't think I noticed the pentagram. Um, in the car, and and when you see it later on, even when you see it later on, I'm like, all right, because it's the only reference that I saw. You know, had some yeah. kind of devil, so I wasn't sure. So I was just questioning, like, how, how does he know how to malfunction? Because he also knows the fax number, which I don't know how he knows that either. You know, how would he, I don't even know the fax number to my work <laughs> in my office, and he knows the fax number to a random floor to a random office. I got to say, I don't know if any of those, like, I love horror movies. I've not watched like every one, but I don't remember ever a horror movie having the facts, but I love that element in this movie. Cause even I, I didn't write it down, but even like when Larry's hit on Sharon, which no chance and Brian's hit on Sharon, no chance. But the fact that he sends like his photo when he interrupts that the married couple that are cheating. Yep. He puts his face on the fax machine and sends that. That was funny. And the fact that she sent back the photo of Stone Cipher. That was good. The yeah, fax yeah. No, that was, was no, that was good. good. No, and you know, you know, we I I forgot when the, the married couple that are in the copy machine, uh copy copy room, they also seem surprised that people were walking in on them. I know. They're in the copy, they're in a copy, like it was they didn't lock the door, and they're in a, a, a place where you're in the office. Probably, I would say, the constant employees are constantly going in there. Yeah, there's nine employees, so they have a good chance of. All right, so you, maybe they're like, "Oh, seven of them already made copies today. They're not coming back." <laughs> <laughs> so then we get Mike when it gets stuck. He opens up the elevator, and when he climbs up, I was expecting the chop. I thought he was going to get chopped in half. Well. All right. So when he was climbing and his hands were like walking and then they were falling, like the way he did that was the worst acting. I, I seriously, it looked ridiculous. Like, do you, you remember when the first, the first time you see his hands, like, all right, usually they're holding on and they're like his, his, his whole arm is literally like walking and like, and then he, then he slowly went back. Like, it was just so dumb the way he did it. Um, but yes, I thought his like the elevator would come down or something or, you know, and he would have been chopped right there. Yeah. But then, then there, were, there wouldn't be a, a one-liner. So you had to, you know, you had to get up there. I didn't write this one down. Do you remember what it was? All, all I remember is him coming behind him, scaring him. And then. Um, let me see. No, no. You know what? Going down. He says Something. going down. Yeah, he, yeah. He, You know what? It's funny. I, he almost, I thought it was, you know, the beginning of the Aerosmith song. Um, uh, love in the elevator they have like that you yeah, know yeah. Uh, it sounded like he said something like on this floor you know so and so and then he said going down like he had some kind it was going down but he said something before that and I don't know what he said this is a no stopping zone man am I glad to see you here thanks yeah. going down 
I just the way he came up startled Mike. Mike's like, oh, it's just that guy that I just talked to, the night watchman. And then he gets killed by that guy. Well, and he how long did he stand by the elevator shaft? Oh, I don't know. He waits he waits a few times in this. I was saying, like he's sta- literally like, all right, at, at one point, you know, you're looking down like, oh wow. But he literally stood there and was just staring for a long I know. time. I know. And then even from there, the body obviously goes to the bottom of the elevator shaft. So then he has to go grab the body, then grab it and bring it to a, a fax machine, which isn't on that floor. So it's somewhere else. But the fact that he faxes the police badge and Mike's face, and I love the guys are like, oh, Mike, he's just wasted. He's probably drinking with Gus. <laughs> is, is this where the cop finds the underwear? Oh, is yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, and he, and he, you remember what he says? He goes, uh, he smells it first, and he goes, "I'm beginning to expect foreplay after he, after he smelled it." <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and then we cut to real sex. That looked like that was that was like that was real. Well, it's the unedited version. No, that was. I'm saying that's like. Skinamax, no, which I've read about before. No, no, it was beyond Skinamax. That's what it I was. Mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, definitely, definitely uh, to the next level. Yeah, and then, geez, the fact that Sharon walks in, and Tony looks, and he's like, "It's not what it looks like." Uh, she tripped, and then when Sharon's like, I- "I'll leave," and then she, the girl, looks at Tony and was like, "I tripped," and he's like, "I don't know." Well, if anything, I would say he tripped because I mean, if she tripped, it would have been a little bit, but he could have tripped and fell in. Yeah. Or no, she, he, he was on the, he was laying down. No, he was on top. No, she was on top of him. Cause that's when you, that's how you saw how weird her boobs were. I thought he was cause you, you well, saw I think his they showed both. I think they were doing both. <laughs> <laughs> this scene was that he was totally, he was totally naked. Yeah, they both were. Yeah, but you, I feel like he, like, I, I, I want to say he was on top. <laughs> I will check the video footage. <laughs> this is a monkey bones and monkey, monkey ball, uh, ball situation here. <laughs> oh, monkey so balls. Then, so then we get Gary and he takes Zucker up, up to the roof and Psycho Cop hears them <laughs> right away. Man, he does not waste any time. He says, you're drunk and disorderly. What would Ingrid say if she could see you and shoots him right, right between yeah. the eyes? He did. He did not waste time. I, I was surprised in that one. And and he had a couple of one-liners up here. You have the right to remain dead. You have the right to. A, he goes. You have the right to an attorney. And he goes. A lot that will do. A, a lot that will do for you because you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> It was like the whole Miranda's rights. And then after he yeah. said, it, he's like, you're dead. You're dead. Yeah. Every, like yeah, every time. <laughs> and then how about with the hooker? He grabs this, the, the hooker. And I know obviously she's bad. So he's going to yep. you know, kill her. But the fact the way she, I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting some kind of like punch or grab some weapon or maybe another sh- shot. Yeah. Dude, he picks her up and tosses her Toss out it. right off the side. Into the trash bin. Good aim too, because you know, act like trash. You're treated like trash. Yeah, and the and the top some it closes. It was closed, but the impact from her hitting closed it. I yep. was reading something about the stunt man 
felt very uncomfortable that he had to wear stockings when they tossed him off because a guy did the stunt. That's and awesome. here's an amazing tidbit that you might you might fall out of your chair. So Brittany Ashland and Sarah Lee Fronten, who are the other two prostitutes, not uh, not Julie Strain. So they were both discovered by director Adam Rifkin while, when they were working as strippers at a bachelor party that was held by Charlie Sheen. <laughs> and the one prostitute's actually in this Charlie Sheen documentary that came out like 10 years ago. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, and, and it just shows you how far back Charlie Sheen's like wild, you know, like life was because this is 93. So like doing this for what, 25, 30 years living like that. Holy he's cow. He's dedicated. He is. Dedicated. Well, he's a winner. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> yeah. Winning. So then we get a fax of Gary's face. So another fax comes in. They're like, ah, oh, he's just drunk, whatever. So, dude, then when Brian goes into the copy room, so I don't know, I guess this has to be the copy room on their floor because why would Brian go to a different floor to go to the copy room? But this is a copy room that's probably not too far from where they're watching the the movie. And he finds just the whole floor is covered in faxes that came in, but he could have faxed them from downstairs, right? I guess that makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, like, just maybe, you know, he didn't like each copy. He just he had to keep doing it. Like I, I was confused of why there were so many on the floor. Yeah, unless it was just all those same photos, but they kept sending him to that room. So when they went in, because there was a ton, it was probably a thousand pieces of paper. Yeah, Stone Cipher is not going to like that. He doesn't pay overtime. <laughs> and you know what? Usually, uh, when when everybody leaves, it's usually like a cleaning lady that comes in. There was no cleaning lady here. Maybe Gus uh, does that. <laughs> yeah. Now I, I I wrote another line, and I don't know if it happened yet. When he licks the blood, and then he goes, "Oh shit for brains." Oh yeah. Oh, that's when uh, Gary when he takes the photo of Gary, and he yeah. has like Gary's right. okay. ID badge yeah. on his forehead, and again he. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, he takes it yeah. off. <laughs> Dude, one of the craziest kills is the next one. That's why we're going to get to this one point when I'm going to ask you something. It's coming up pretty quick. But so then we get, he's he goes upstairs, he catches the couple, and they're yep. like talking, and they're like getting ready to walk out. Dude, when he friggin' impales them, which it, there was foreshadowing. We saw that weapon earlier. It was like on a statue in the lobby. Statue, yep. Well, it, that statue scared Brian before. He scared yeah. Brian earlier. So you knew something was going to happen with that statue. He should have got killed by that. Oh, I'm telling you, I've waited from the minute I met him that I was hoping he would die first. And he had like nine lives, you know? So, I mean, you know, we'll get there, but I I, don't like most statues. I I would assume wouldn't have a detachable weapon. I would hope not. (laughs) Right. I mean, I I would think like the weapon would be part of the statue, not that something that anyone could take off and use as a weapon. Yeah. It's not like it's like the sword in the stone. It's not like you can go and grab it and use it. It's not like George Washington <laughs> in like Central Park. Somebody's able to go, oh, let me take his sword. Yeah. Let's, let's take his musket. It. Yeah. <laughs> no, but when he goes and they open the room and they're standing side by side. God, one thing I had to say for shooting seven days. Obviously, the special effects team has time to prep and practice beforehand, but 
God, to nail that many kills over when yeah. you're only doing overnight shoots, the, this one looks so cool because it went through both of them and it went through the wall. It just looked awesome. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're right. I think for the 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 amount of time that they filmed, which was not a lot, they showed a they did a lot of like good kills that you know I think normally would take a long time to film. So I, I definitely give the crew a lot of credit. I mean, uh, they move quick. Yeah, because nowadays that same movie, not the same movie, but the same type of movie would be like just bad CGI. Like even Gary getting shot in the head, there was no cutaway. Yeah. It was the fire yeah. and you saw the way they like yeah. just set off that charge. It looked awesome. So so then we get, God, when they go back to the copy room and he shows everyone everything and they start to see the blood dripping and they look up to the ceiling and it falls. Did you notice Gary? Why did they do another take? Maybe they couldn't because everything fell. Gary was moving. Before? You mean no, before? when he fell out of the Oh, when he fell? I didn't notice that. It was like uh, so bad. He was like moving his legs. I'm like, holy shit. Like, why would they have done uh, it again? I'm going to have to go back and look at that because, I mean, I, I didn't notice that, but uh, I was probably writing down. But yeah, that's that's hysterical. That's awesome. So they just left it in there. Yeah, or just cut that part. Or maybe that's an unrated thing. They add it back in. I mean, I, I'd be curious to see the difference between the rated and unrated version. Not that I want to see this movie again, but I'm what? just saying, you know. Well, not right away. There, there, no. there is a video of all the kills with the one-liners, and that's like some the lines in this movie are like. Well, hold on, like, that's different. I can I can sit and watch a, a, a ten-minute video of all the yeah. kills and all the one-liners, but to go through Brian again, the whole movie, I can't do. I think I'm gonna spend some time later make a best of Brian. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. There was a best of Brian. <laughs> It was the best of Brian. It was the worst of Brian. <laughs> so then all of them run away and they lock themselves in uh, Sharon's office. Wait, She's hold on. You missed, the, you missed the one-liner. Oh, what do we got? So when he, sta- when he, when he threw the spear at them or he ran the spear at them, yeah. he says, I wouldn't want to separate you two. <laughs> Stuck together to the very end. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, every kill has, has at least one or two one-liners. Oh. He has so many. It's, it's it's the best. So then we get they lock themselves in the office and they start telling her like what happened and everything like that. And she goes to call the cops. Of course, the line is dead. So like, if you knew that there was a killer in the building, like, like what would you do? Would you do the die hard and just start breaking the windows and throwing shit out until somebody calls the cops? Ah. Uh... Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I definitely wouldn't separate. Which did they say? No, they didn't separate. Um, yeah, I think I think you try to make as much noise and clatter and and you know, throwing a, a chair out the window is going to definitely get noticed. I mean, I don't yeah. think they did any of that stuff. No, they didn't. They really did nothing. They just kept walking nothing. around, and they and- kept going to areas that are like you know, stairway, like areas that you can't get out of. Like I would, I mean, I I would, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. They, they're, well, for they're one us, of the for us, for us, while you're watching, you're like, oh, they're going to the same places, but they're really like in the in like the canon of the movie. They're really not, but just because they look all the same, which most office buildings do anyway, and they do switch things up. They move like I'm sure they moved like the the number office numbers and names and stuff. Every I, so often. I don't know, but I'm telling you that there is a scene. It literally looks like they're running down the same <laughs> hall over and over again. And honestly, that's probably why. They they didn't do anything else because they, they only filmed in one area. 
So what yeah. else are they going to do? <laughs> <laughs> so then they walk into the room because Sharon says, oh, Tony. And I forget the other girl's name. Uh, they're both still alive. I, I walked in on them. They're like, oh, man, they're still doing it. And they're like joking. There. And then Brian was like, oh, I didn't know they were a thing. They're like, everybody knew they were a thing, you idiot. And then they go into the room and then they're stuck on the wall, like even higher. And then they have the pentagram of blood. Now, if that happens and Brian already is worried about, you know, officer inbred, when he walks up behind him, he's like kind of at first he has this look and then he's totally like, Hey, he's here to save us. Thank God you're here. Yeah. He, he was in the, see, I didn't understand that either because he was afraid of him the entire movie. He figured something like that. He's following him. And then all of a sudden he was happy to see him like that. I like, yeah, that was, I thought that was kind of weird. And that changes really quick when he starts talking about the backstory. He's like, Oh, that's officer. It's gotta be officer Joe Vickers that did that. And then he goes in this whole thing. You know, it's funny. I didn't, I didn't, I thought he was just making up a story just to like, the because I didn't see the first one and they don't really say his name until that part. Like, I didn't yeah. know. I don't think they, so I didn't know who he was talking about. I just thought he was just making up a story like he did with the, the security guard. So I, that was like, yeah, I think he was just stalling. So I didn't realize what he was doing. Yeah. And then Brian looks at the facts that he kept in his back pocket. He's like, Oh man, that's the badge. And then while he's talking, like, of course, psycho cop noticed that they walked aside because they went into another room and he's like, that's the guy, that's the guy, that's gotta be the guy. And then while he's talking, he changes the story from third person to first person. And then everyone is saying, well, no, you just said, he's like, you're confused. <laughs> he's going crazy. <laughs> I do do this scene. What was, the desk? Dude, it was wild that it happened and brian is a total dick because they both had they come with the desk they push psycho cop and he's kind of pinned for a second everyone bolts even brian so it's just larry who's on the farther part of the table he gets pinned and ah oh. well the one-liner you, you know the one-liners here the best yes i should have told you i'll never take a desk job <laughs> <laughs> and blows his brains out and it looks so amazing yeah like just watching it blow out of the that's what's so cool usually movies will do like cutaways or something but that looks so great ah so amazing no and, and yeah and there was like massive like explosion from that like it was very cool and then brian's running very slow because he's like kind of like so scared i guess so he's like paralyzed almost and he gets shot once and, and then just falls down i'm like is he dead I, you know what? I, 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 I really thought he was dead. I was hoping he'd be dead. I, I was surprised that he wasn't. You cheered. I, I really, I was just like, all right, good. He's out. Let's, let's focus on the, the more interesting characters. And no, yeah, he, <laughs> he literally, I think he died like three times in a movie. <laughs> he did. <laughs> and, 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 and I, I like how they're saying, like, I think there's a fire exit somewhere when they were running. Of course, there's a fire exit. It's a building. They didn't know where they where they were going. They should know. Sharon seems like well, she should know. She's the only employee left. Like at this point, well, you. They. I think they had. Who I don't know who said it. I think one either one of the girls or someone says he goes. I think there's a fire exit somewhere. And then the girl says where. And then he goes. I don't know. I've never seen a fire. <laughs> yeah. 
or there's never been a fire or something like that. Yeah, yeah. She said there's never, we never did a fire drill. So Stone Cipher didn't care, the building manager didn't care about that. But yeah, the fact that it's three girls, you know, that's like the best thing about horror because it's the girls are the heroes in it. So it's the three girls versus him. And, and it, about the girl, I, I was cracking up the whole time because she's wearing those chaps the entire time with her ass hanging out as she's running. Like, did the whole rest of the scene, it was just, the way, it was just very funny. so then sharon tries to break the glass there's no luck and then she grabs gus's gun but even before that she says like oh it's bulletproof glass we couldn't get through why didn't because she looked like she could hold a gun why didn't she shoot the handcuffs well not not only that why is there bulletproof glass like do do, i don't i don't think office buildings have you know unless it's a government building I don't think they have bulletproof glass. Yeah, no, I agree. But again, she seemed like she had old gun. Why wouldn't <laughs> she like put the gun right up? To I know. It? See, even when they go to the the uh, the fire exit, that's has the cuffs on the outside. That's even an easier shot. There's no metal, so she could just shoot the freaking things. But no, nothing. Well, she's a stripper, or no, she's a hooker. That's Sharon. No, she's oh Sharon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't. I, well, maybe accounts aren't that bright. They're good with numbers, but that's it. Hey, watch your mouth. <laughs> I mean, who would want to be an accountant? <laughs> <laughs> so, so then we get, dude, a what, dude? This was the epitome of how wild he is. What part? In the L- when they're in the stairwell, the standoff. <laughs> when he comes out of nowhere, grabs Julie Strain holding her so tight and they're just going back and forth about it and sharon's like i'm gonna i'm gonna blow your friggin brains out no matter what drop your gun and he's like okay okay you drop your gun and i won't shoot her and then she's still like pointing and like hesitant and then he turns and he shoots the blonde girl right in the head brain splatter in the back and then he breaks her neck the other but, one. Yeah, he does bring it up, but before that, he goes, I will splatter her brains too if you don't put the gun down. But if you do, I promise I won't shoot her. I've already reached my quota today. Thank you. Now let her go. You've got to listen more carefully to what people say. I never said I'd let her go. I only said I wouldn't shoot her. <laughs> How's the party, girls? Having fun yet? Nice jabs. That that was awesome. I, you know, I I was I was wondering if he had the Jason teleportation because he seemed to be everywhere they were going. I wonder if he had the same kind of skill set that Jason had. Yeah, Jason, what Jason can teleport. No, no, he was always in the right place. At the right, again, he was every, I mean, again, it is only one hallway, but I mean, <laughs> he's, he's, I mean, it wasn't, it's probably not hard to find them. <laughs> it's wild, like having that small a space and making a movie, like just making a movie. Yeah. It's that yeah. good. Look, it looks, it's a good looking horror movie. Could they they were very creative on the little space that they had to do what they did. Yeah. You know, so but I, I, I think he had some kind of ability because he was able to get 
to the same spot. Now you're, you're talking about a building and on multiple floors, he, he was able to find people. Uh, he probably has the same skill set as Jason. I must say this building, it was definitely, I know in the elevator, it said 10 floors, but it looked bigger than 10 floors when they showed like one of the shots when they're like looking up at it. I'm like, but the next scene is where you can tell this building, it might've been old. Maybe that's why they let him do it at night or maybe they knew the guy, but when she goes up and the ax is clearly not a real ax, right? It's like rubber. Yeah, it wasn't a fireman's axe. No, no, not at all. And the door itself looked like it was like a rubber kind of like, like the material was ridiculous and the axe was ridiculous. Like it was like such cheap, whatever. I don't know what it was, but yeah, it wasn't a real axe. And underneath it, where it said fire extinguisher, it was missing about five letters in the word fire extinguisher. Was it really? Yeah, they just like fell off. (laughs) But dude, Sharon pops out, hits him with the axe right in the gut, and just the look on his face when he has that in his gut, and and he has the sunglasses on. He comes out with the aviator shades in the pitch dark, and he just like appears. She hits him, and she she grabs the, his gun. No bullets. You know, watching this movie from the beginning, I would never have thought that she would be like the main character. You know, like, you know, because she she la- and I almost feel like that's maybe it's a trope in, in horror movies that it has to be a girl at the end that takes on. Yeah. The, you know, that, 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 that seems to happen a lot. Yeah, no, that that is the thing. And, and it's usually the person for the most part. It's usually the person that's the most. I don't know. In this movie, it's like I'm not saying she's not likable, but she's the one that you don't not like if that makes sense all the other people you like really like what would they have given to the movie if they were last but in right right right. it's always the girl it's always the girl at all the end of the movies and i think it's the best part putting these guys in their place all the you know these big guys you're like you mentioned jason takes manhattan before you have i can't think of his real name but he's fighting jason on the roof hand-to-hand combat oh no but the girl somehow beats jason at the end Every Freddy movie, like it's always a girl that that is, it. and yeah, you're right. I think that's cool that you know all these like tough guys. First of all, usually the tough guys are the first one of the first ones to go every time. Like know. they, you know, they never they never last. You know. And the next scene I love so much too because he knew she was in the the fax room and he keeps sending his face <laughs> to the into the room. And how about the lines like the Miranda writes lines earlier and just yep. adding the different twists. This one, he's just reading what. Uh, you know, when I guess it's kind of the end of the Miranda rights, you have the right to an attorney, but you're not going to need one. He starts hitting the door, <laughs> but he's like, Hey, do, don't you want your phone call? You get one of those. And then he leaves the screen for a second and he rips a phone out of an office and throws it through the door. <laughs> he he definitely needs anger management. You know, he seems very angry yeah. all the time. Wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, an axe into the chest. If you take that out, when you, when you think you'd bleed out, I would think so. But the Satan, Satan's helping do something. Okay. Cause it was in his gut. So good. Cause <laughs> he was holding it. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm thinking, well, you know, again, maybe in, in, in movie world, it's, it's really not a real axe because it also doesn't kill Brian. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I mean, and that was pretty deep too. So, yeah. Brian, good old Brian. We'll, oh. we'll get to that part and talk about it more in depth because that's like wild. 
So how about this? And another one lighter when he's looking down the elevator shaft. Oh, I, I wrote it down. I think they don't make elevators like they used to always get shafted. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes into the girl's room. Cause he's like, Oh, this is where she, at. what are you powdering your nose? God forbid. It's a little bit shiny. And when he opens the door, the old lighter and the hairspray trick. And then she tosses him down and she must've overheard him. Cause she said, looks like you're the one getting shafted. <laughs> And this is a part of the movie. The, like the last parts of the movie are pretty, <clears throat> there's not much to talk about. Cause it's a lot of like running and stuff like that. Well, I was going to say, you know, there's a few parts here now that so drag on, like again, when they're running up the stairs and, and yeah. it was like, it was like almost too many times they were doing that. Cause they, it almost showed like every flight, like every flight that he was running up, you know? Um, and they, they weren't running that fast. Even when I mean we're not there yet. When they're outside, like when when he's chasing her outside, she's not running fast at all. They really were not running. It was so ridiculous. <laughs> no, but this is. I think it was like at one oh nine or something. I knew how long the movie was, and I'm like, it's got to be over soon. Like even after she met I, Brian, I'm like, <clears throat> there can't be twenty minutes left yeah. or eighteen minutes left. But it did drag out some of the parts. But I did like like the rest of the movie. But the fact that so Brian's alive. And then again, Sharon's smart. She's an accountant. She's the smartest, you know? She gets downstairs. <laughs> she goes, oh, damn, the door's locked. Oh, and the fire. Do you think you can go back upstairs to go to the garage? You are just upstairs. Why didn't you go to the, the garage exit, which is on the third floor? Why not? No, you're right. And, and I wrote down, by the way, in big letters, Ryan is alive. Or uh, Ryan. I, I did write Ryan, but he's alive. <laughs> I was so pissed. Like I, I, I literally like he, I, I, a part of me does not like the movie because of him. I'm telling you. And again, yeah, I don't know if you agree, but I think he's more annoying than, than Alan. Well, I don't know about that. Listen, Alan has the best one liner ever. Your ass stinks. So to me, you know, that takes the cake on anything. Ryan does it's when Ryan's running away. I, I, I just him running. I couldn't stand like it just, he's such an idiot. You hate him so much, you won't even call him by his real name. <laughs> Brian. 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 So how about when he goes, it's okay, I'll check the elevator. And he chooses the one that I think Psycho Cop earlier, maybe, I'm not saying they cut, they might have cut the part out, but he put on there like out of order in like red. And I don't think that was that one was really out of order because he was making people go in the other one. The fact that he just stands there for a second after noticing the sign. And I love that when it, the door opens, freaking psycho cop standing there like a freaking like a wax museum. And he's just standing there. And Brian looks for one second. He's like, ah. <laughs> his, his facial expressions, his body movements. I hated. I re- literally hated him. I, 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 I'm telling you, I, I can't believe you can't. You don't think he's annoying? Oh, I think he's annoying. No, I definitely do. Yeah, but you don't think you don't you don't think he's more annoying than Alan? I don't know. Your ass stinks was funny the first three times. <laughs> he did, I think, nine times in the movie. I'll, I'll take that. And he didn't shower the whole movie. All right, so he's got a, he's got a couple of negatives. Nope, couple. <laughs> So then this is where the, like a lot of the running, like you said, the garage, it's like really slow, but the, this part was, I really think this is kind of cool. 
because it showed like that people can do good like you know innocent bystanders but they get she's running there's this bar it's kind of cool the way they did it too because you cut inside the bar and i watched the first movie like when i interviewed him last year so i don't remember it because i was like skipping to his parts and i was like oh is that bartender from the first one because the way he was looking he was like almost like he knew them you know but i mean would a bar have that many weapons there well it's called timeout so the sports bar so they would have that equipment so that fits or does the gang i mean they're are they a gang like so maybe they have to like drop off their weapons when they first walk in you yeah. know and then they get it's like you know like an umbrella and then they you know when they leave they take their weapon <laughs> <and> they- <laughs> All right, put all your butterfly knives over there, and that's like such a naked gun joke. Like you know, they yeah. go in the bar, you know, they every single weapon you could possibly have, they drop off, and then yeah. <laughs> and again, talking about dragging out a scene, the beating was like ridiculous. They had to film that twice, so I think something happened with the footage that they had to film it twice. So he was, I know they were like foam bats and foam hockey sticks, but he was like taking it, and there was one point. When he punched the one guy back, he punched the bartender yep. and another guy. I'm like, dude, or this is what I thought. I'm like, he's about to murder these 15 people. And I'm like, but Sharon's going to somehow kill him. Like I, in my head, I thought that was going to happen because he was like down to one knee and then down on yep. his stomach. But then he got to one knee and almost got up. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. I thought, I thought like a little commando actions and I come, you know, he's going to get up, but I, I do think they repeated some of the scenes like of the hitting because it looked like the same exact shot every time. But how about the fact that when he, when he, before the beating, when he was, he was like beating her up. Like, I mean, oh. that, I didn't, I didn't think they were going to sh- like, I know when they were looking at the window, like, Oh, I thought he was just like grabbing her. Like, I didn't think they would like, he would get physical and he got pretty physical with her. Like I was surprised that they, you know, they went like that. Yeah. He he almost wanted to punish her. Cause he said when he was chasing, when he's looking for her up, uh, before he was like putting the axe to the door and she shoved him in the elevator shaft, he was he was like saying, like, I'm gonna beat you and then I'm gonna beat you some more. Like he really well, was she, like did bur- she did burn his face. <clears throat> that is true. I mean, and you know, I, I think that would anger anybody. But he was like holding her by the shirt and like open hand yeah. smacking her and her yeah. face in the next scene. Yeah. But how about the dog barking to like let the owner know the grant that the camcorder? Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, what, what was that about? Like, it was such a weird, like, just it didn't make any sense. It was a way that the director could be in the movie. Oh, that's the director. The dog was the director. <laughs> <laughs> no, Adam Rifkin was the guy. With that the makes sense. <laughs> so he's he's pulling a Stan Lee, and he's and he's doing a cameo in his own movie. Yes, yes, that's awesome. But yeah, that's so uh, so yeah, and then we get your buddy. Brian lives and he loves pudding. And that nurse is like feeding him, even though he's orgasming. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He was more excited about the pudding than the three girls dancing in front of him. That is true. I mean, so I just showed you what kind of person Ryan is. And (laughs) Brian. (laughs) And then, and then the fact that Sharon's sitting there and she looks like she's so like, she's like, this guy doing and her face had some serious like yeah she was she was, she was beat up smacked up and then the joke that makes everyone just cackle does workman's compensation cover this oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. do you know what i said 
and even the nurse is like laughing so hard but i think she was fake laughing so she could like leave feeding this guy pudding because that's not part of his job he has hands he didn't lose his hands yeah why why was he getting fed (laughs) no that was weird yeah (laughs) i i you know i thought but them being the last two i thought like i thought maybe they're gonna hook up what, no. Why are you making a face like that? Could you imagine? It, you imagine if from there, it, the nurse leaves and it cuts to like a soft core. <laughs> well, I, I, he'll, I think he'd rather probably do it with the pudding than her anyway. So <laughs> I can't. I'm really. I, I. I'm. I'm still like annoyed that he lasted and made it to the end of the movie. Like of yeah. all the characters, why did they pick him to to make it this far? I don't know because as a viewer, he he killed Larry. He yeah. had, he left Larry. They were both pushing this guy who's a psycho cop, pushing the table against him, and he leaves to run. So that leaves psycho cop to easily push Larry against the wall. Yeah, I don't know. But so how about so they're watching the news and she's like, "Can you turn this off?" But before that, they're talking about like he's under a uh, police watch and he's in the hospital and he's lucky to survive because of the beating that he took, blah, 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 blah. And then the fact that he's what, what 15 feet away from them in room 666. I did like that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you talked about it earlier. I said Berkowitz with a dog. Yeah. The freaking cops go in there because they hear. I, you know, I, well, let, let me, so in the first movie, he obviously kills a lot of people. Was there any news? Like, did, did it get out? Like, do people know these people are dying? Like, how does he still have a job? Well, he's not a cop anymore. Wait, he's not a cop? No, he stole some car. I don't think, no, I don't think he's just. Um, I, I, as a viewer, how am I supposed to know that? He's got dead bodies in, in a cop car. How am I supposed to know that he stole a car? What do you think? He, he goes back to the police station and parks that in the lot? Yeah. If if he's driving that and parking it on the street and no one's noticing, I don't think the cops are going to notice it either. There must have been something that's blocking it because no one says anything. I didn't know he's not a cop anymore. No, yeah, he's not. He's got the cop shades. Yeah, I think he went crazy in the first one. I think that's what it was. Because well, I, w- I would think so. Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. Right? <laughs> no, but I think that's what because when he's talking about that backstory, when he's telling him about like Joe Vickers went crazy, blah blah, yeah. blah and he killed all those people. So I think that's what happened. But now I need to go back and watch that one because that's like more horror. I don't think the first one has a lot of the one-liners because even in the interview he says there's more. Uh, I think he said they shot they shot for more campy because that's what that era was. That was like the sorority ass massacre, all the slumber party movies. So. Was this in a theater? Like, was this like a horror movie that no, made it in a theater? which was really cool when he told me first time he ever saw it on screen was they did like a double screening. It was Psycho Cop 2, Maniac Cop 2. And it was the first time they viewed it in a movie theater. Like, it's like three years ago. So, yeah, that's all awesome. these years later, you know, he was able to see it on Rady. But to end the movie, we talked about the dog sounds. The, the cops go in there. Then like two doctors, a nurse. Within second, he makes quick work because he comes out and he he's in the doctor garbs that quick, that quick, and he, he doesn't look that bad considering he fell down an elevator shaft, got an axe chopped to him. I mean, his face is a little burnt, but 
You no. know, that is true. I was thinking like he was undead, but they would have noticed that when he got to the hospital, right? Yeah. You have no pulse, sir. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm surprised. That, I mean, I know, you know, he wants to do another one, but I'm surprised based on that ending and, and type of like they, they never made another one because they easily could, you know, had a whole series with this guy. You know, well, that was like the whole thing in, back in the day. Like, this is like what's perfect for us is all those movies wanted sequels. So they always left cliffhangers. So if the audience did like it, right, they really had the lead in. So the people that love the first one or the second one or the third one, they go see that next movie. There's like the next part to it. But really, think of all those movies. They never continue the story. All the Friday the 13th, the next movie is a brand new movie with the same guy for yeah. the most part. Well, you know, I, I think for this movie, if you take out the one-liners, I, I, it, it might be hard to watch, you know? And I, if, if, they, if they tried to go the horror route and, and it was just the same movie with no one-liners, it, it wouldn't have worked. And I think the fact that you have these one-liners changes everything. Yeah, so would you recommend it now that we're, you start? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I I would recommend it if you, you know, you, you're going to watch a movie with a bunch of your buddies and like you want to see something funny and campy. Like, I, I don't know, like watching it on your own. It's I don't know. It's it's a it's it is campy. It is cheesy Um, for me personally. Like I if, if, if I had to watch it for a reason. I don't know if I would watch it on my own. But I think it's a it's a great kind of movie that if your buddies are just sitting around and you want to you know you have nothing to watch throw something like this on and you guys would enjoy it more. Uh, I think that's again it's, it's it's I don't know for me no. I think it's I, like me. I love watching all types of movies. I think just for the story alone, if you're like hanging out with someone one time and they're talking about The Office or Bob Vance, they quote like Bob Vance Vance Refrigeration. Like, dude, I saw that guy in the, a horror movie and he crushes it. So even just the fact of seeing a guy that you know from this huge hit show, he's a big part of it, 25 episodes, and yeah. just seeing him in this role, it's just wild. Yeah, you know, again, I, I think he obviously he makes the movie. To me, I'd rather go to YouTube, look at all his, his scenes, and not have to deal with the rest of the movie. You know, and, I, and that's that's how I look at it. I, you know, I, I he he kills it. I mean, he's, like I said, without the one-liners, the movie is not that good um, with the one-liners and his just the way he his expressions and everything else make it better. But to me, go to YouTube, look up the the, the funny deaths and everything else, and I think you'll enjoy it more. No, watch the whole uh, watch the whole movie. It's worth it. You find out how much you know why Jamie hated Ryan or Brian or <laughs> whatever you want to call him. But no, the one-liners are great. But there are some other cool parts throughout the movie, like. I really think just the fact that Sharon ended up being, you know, the final girl in it, not that the fact that Brian survived, but no, I would check it out. But before I talk about before before I close the book on psycho cop returns, really funny thing. So the guy who wrote this movie was a screenwriter and he uh, is an animator and he worked on the Simpsons. So Julie strain, he wrote this movie. He Julie strain convinced him to draw a dirty picture of her having sex with Bart Simpson. I wonder if that is, oh, is, is that anywhere? Like, is that picture anywhere that we could find I'll, that? Like, I will look it up as soon as we're done, but uh, yeah. So that psycho cop returns and the next sequel up oh. is our second trip into the DC universe. And it just so happens to be, you're excited. I'm excited. I'm finally, I got before you even go d- dive in there. 
I, I haven't been excited for a movie on our list in a long time because wow. I, I haven't seen. Well, I'm, I, I wasn't a fan of uh, Harold and Kumar. I had this, you know, weird movie we had uh, before that was this, the, the slaughterhouse or whatever. Like they had to me two. again, you know, like, <laughs> yes, it, it, we, we, I, t- t- for me personally, we had a string of uh, rough ones. This movie, I can't wait. This is this is, to me. It's this. This is one of the best sequels, you know, that we we're we're gonna be doing. I think. I think in your eyes, the best two that we've covered over the last five months would be like Batman Returns and this, and in between that, that's the bookend, and then in between, it's all. <laughs> I, I yeah, well, not even just the best sequel we're gonna do. This sequel is like a top oh, twenty sequel of all time, if if not top fifteen. I mean, this this sequel is awesome. Yeah, and it's the 40th anniversary, so it's perfect. Uh, it came out, it flew into theaters on June 19th, 1981. And there are some wild behind the scenes stories, so we got to make sure we read about that because you have like the two directors that were on it and then getting fired. And yeah, so that'll be a blast. And the fact the guy I interviewed, he was in so much Jack O'Halloran, which he plays non, he plays one of the henchmen non in this movie which is so cool to talk to him about that. But I love doing these interviews because going into this, why, why would I think he, not saying people can do anything before they started acting, but the fact that he was a big time heavyweight fighter. So we, we talked about that. He was a heavyweight boxer. He grew up in Philly. He tells me a story about a phone call from Muhammad Ali. He fought George Foreman. And of course we talked a lot about his acting career and his ties to the mafia, which you'll hear in the interview, are pretty mind blowing. But yeah, so don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast, follow us on all social media at Sequels Only, and don't forget to check out our website, sequelsonly.com. Good night. Good night. <laughs>